Will the Braves sign Jacob DeGrom? Will they trade for Shohei Otani? What will they do with Dansby Swanson? And why is Michael Harris not a Gold Glove Award finalist? We're going to answer all of your questions. I got Graham McCauley joining me on this mailbag episode of Locked On Braves. So let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to Locked On Braves, a part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we cover your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. Make sure you download the Locked On Sports Atlanta app on Roku and Amazon Fire devices. I am your host, Jake Mastriani. Joining me today is Grant McCauley, my postcast partner during the regular season. Going to be doing a mailbag episode on the podcast today, answering your questions. But before we do that, Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Lockdown underscore Braves, where you can send in your questions to be part of the show. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube if you're new. And if you're watching, do me a favor, hit that thumbs up button and that notification bell. Thanks for making Lockdown Braves your first listen of each and every day. We continue to post episodes a daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday throughout the off season. I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Well, Grant, unfortunately, the offseason starting a little earlier than we would yeah. have heard the Atlanta Braves, but offseason is also a very uh, exciting, entertaining season uh, for baseball fans. If you're a baseball uh, a lover of baseball, as both of us are, there's a lot of exciting things to get to into this offseason. And a lot to talk about, obviously. Before we start getting into what the Braves are going to do, what kind of moves they're going to make, I want to just quickly, you know, now that we've had a little bit more time to reflect on it, get your thoughts on the new playoff format, especially we know what happened with the Braves, the Dodgers bowing out early. Kind of what are your, your thoughts overall on this new playoff format? Are some adjustments possibly needed? You know, I, I think they will adjust to it to kind of, you know, cut to the chase. I, I feel like this is going to be something where they might want to look at ways to improve it and, and ways to make sure that, you know, everybody's, you know, scheduled the way that they need to be. But I have always been somebody who just did not like the one game wild card. Now, I like game 163 when it's necessary, but I didn't like the manufactured drama, the one game wild card after you play 162 games. To have it come down to one forced game, and I know it was to, to decide the final postseason spot, and it wasn't taken away from the division winners, and it was still important to win your division and all of that. But baseball's a game of series, so having a wild card series, best of three, that to me is an improvement in a vacuum. But obviously, it means that the other teams are going to be waiting around to figure out who they're going to play, when they're going to play. I don't necessarily buy into just that the layoff was the one thing that, that hurt all these teams, but it is kind of uh, eerie if you'll look at you know, the Dodgers obviously lost in their NLDS matchup after waiting through the wild card. The Braves lost in theirs. Uh, were it not for Jordan Alvarez, the Astros probably would have lost theirs as well to the Seattle Mariners, or, well, it looked like they very well could have. And really the only team that was able to make it through was the New York Yankees, who kind of did it by the skin of their teeth against a very good Cleveland Guardians club. So, I don't. I didn't dislike the new playoff format. I think that more teams and more opportunity is a good thing. I, I don't. I don't think we want less playoff baseball, but I don't know that it's exactly perfected the way that it needs to be just yet. And I don't really know the easy fix for it either. Maybe it's just that teams are going to have to recognize: look, we need to simulate 
two to three full baseball games, maybe bring our whole AAA squad to our big league ballpark and try to play seven or nine innings or something, you know, multiple days in a row to keep ourselves sharp and keep ourselves ready. I know that's not the same thing as playing major league baseball games, but you might have to have some outside the box thinking to make sure you don't have a cooling off period before you want to really be red hot. And we, we talked about this obviously on the postcast a little bit, like the old layoff was about four days typically, you know, even with the old format. So not that different. I do agree with you. I, I love the, the three game series format over the one game series. I never loved that. Braves obviously saw what can happen in just one game in that Cardinals wild card game that they played, you know, just too much randomness in that. So I do agree. I love the new format with the three game series. I would love to see them try to tighten up the window a little bit. And I do think teams will, will have to look at this differently. The teams that get those two buys and how they prepare and try to stay ready. Cause I do think it does hurt the offensive side of things more the pitching is where you should really benefit unfortunately that wasn't the case for the Braves but you know trying to keep that timing getting going against you know live pitching really hard to do when you haven't faced it for for five days so I think there will be some tweaks some adjustments made there but let's move into the offseason here and look obviously a ton of questions about Dansby Swanson what he what they're going to do with him we talked about this on our last postcast episode as well but and, and I did a podcast on this earlier in the week, kind of laying out the groundwork of what I think a potential contract could look like, what would be fair from the Brave side of things and what some alternative options are. But just kind of give me your overall thoughts on the Dansby Swanson situation and how you believe it plays out. Does he come back? And if not, you know, what are some alternatives that you're looking at? I still think that Dansby Swanson is the best fit for the Braves and the Braves are the best fit for Dansby Swanson. If I'm looking at both sides and all things being equal with what we've seen from Dansby in his time in Atlanta and and what he's meant to this club, I know there's some more attractive free agent shortstops out there. And by the way, there's some more expensive free agent shortstops are out there as well. And coming into the year, I kind of felt like maybe five years and 90 million was probably the, the groundwork of what an extension would look like. For Dansby Swanson, maybe there was an option for a sixth year, you know, that club option that the Braves love to have. Maybe that was on on the table as well that would get that into being a seven-figure deal. But at this point, after the season that he's just had, I feel like he is going to be a hundred-plus million dollar, not a year, but a hundred-plus million dollar total contract at at, at the very least. Now, he may not command the kind of average annual value that that Carlos Correa is going to get, that I think Trey Turner is going to get, and that Xander Bogarts could get as well. I think in in particular for Correa and for probably Turner, they're going to go look at what uh, Corey Seager got in signing with the Texas Rangers. I believe that was 10 years, 325 million. Marcus Simeon got a 200 plus million dollar deal or close to it anyway. I think they spent half a billion dollars to Mm -hmm. upgrade their double play combo. That's the kind of deals I feel like those two guys are going to be looking at. Bogart's probably something along the line of what Simeon got as well. Dansby though, I don't think has taken that step into that next you know, even Javi Baez got $140 million from the Tigers. So go figure. Trevor Story got the same kind of deal from the Boston Red Sox. So as I started looking at all those contracts and then trying to figure out what this class looks like, and then in particular, you know, how well these players fit or profile for Atlanta, would you love to have Trey Turner? Yeah, absolutely. Would, I mean, a lot of people love to have Carlos Correa. Yes. I'm a little bit hesitant at the price tag I think he's going to get. So I just continue to come back to Dansby Swanson time and time again and just think, you know, he's going into his age 29 season, so if he signs a five-year deal, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33 years old, you know, you never know what injury is going to do to players. You never know exactly how somebody's going to age. But I do know what I can see and what I know and what I hear and what I've heard for years 
about what Dansby Swanson means for the Braves. So I still think he comes back, but I do think that we're probably looking at an average annual value somewhere in the neighborhood of Austin Riley and Matt Olson in that 21 to $22 million a year. And for five or six years, I just feel like that's, you know, keeping this core together and, I know we've talked about this a lot and certainly don't have to hijack the whole thread and talk about what it's like to lose a franchise player two years in a row. I just have a hard time imagining that that could happen for a second straight year. But I also know who represents both of those players, one that plays first base for the L.A. Dodgers now and one that is walking into free agency. Yeah, it's definitely a very similar and eerily similar circumstance what we had last offseason. And we know Alex Anthopoulos, he is not going to go over what he feels the right value is for a player, no matter who the player is and what they've done for a franchise. And I'm not saying that any detriment of what Alex did last year. I think he made a fair offer to Freddie Freeman based on what the offer, other offers were out there. But we know he's not gonna he's not gonna budge when he draws his line in the sand. You know that's where it is. We saw him do it with Josh Donaldson as well. So um, you know I, I do think that Dansby makes the most sense, and I think a deal ultimately gets done. Um, but I thought that last year about Freddie Freeman as well. So we'll have to see how that plays out. And then last thing I wanted to get to: Gold Glove finalists were announced on. Thursday and Braves had several players listed on there. You had Travis Darno, Matt Olson, which was a little bit of a surprise to me, uh, Dansby Swanson, which was not a surprise. But there was one big omission, Grant, that I don't think anybody saw coming, and that was Michael Harris was left off the finalist for center field. Yeah, and I tweeted this out. There's zero reason that he shouldn't be a finalist. And mind you, I'm not saying, you know, put on all the, the Braves gear and, you know, run up and down my wall, but I'm, I'm just looking at it through Braves-colored glasses. I mean, this kid was a special defensive player in center field, and whether, regardless of whether he wins the award or not, he did more than enough to be a finalist. And you just look at the advanced metrics. I know there's some other guys that had terrific seasons. And, you know, for me, kind of a, a baseball fan who grew up in the 1980s and 1990s, you know, the gold glove is still one of those awards that you'd sure like to win it. I'm not saying that it is the only thing that lets you know you're a great defensive player. I mean, there are some other uh, defensive awards that are handed out each year, and maybe Michael Harris will be on those lists, and he probably should be. But I was very surprised by it. I think Trent Grisham, Victor Robles, a couple of guys that had terrific uh, seasons, but to not see Michael Harris's name on that list just felt like a glaring omission to me. And a little bit surprising, at least for me, to see Travis Darno and and Matt Olson on those lists. I mean, I'm happy for both of them. I feel like they're solid players. This wasn't Olson's greatest defensive season by a long shot, but a lot of the metrics still check out. Not surprised to see Max Fried on that list, and I'm very happy to see that Dansby Swanson got yeah. the opportunity to be a finalist this year because I felt like, I think it was a couple years ago, three years ago maybe, that he had a case and was not a finalist mm-hmm. that year either. So. Um, you know, good for all those guys. Congrats to those four. I just find it surprising, very surprising, almost shocking to use that word. Egregious. Yeah. That's the word I really wanted to work <laughs> in here. Then Michael Harris wasn't on the list. Yeah, that is definitely unfortunate for Michael Harris, but I think he's going to have a lot of opportunities in the future. And I think he'll take home that award maybe a couple of times, if not more in his career, but certainly was more than deserving to be yeah. at least included on that list in his rookie season. All right, next, I want to take some of your questions that you submitted through Twitter. Before we do that, I'm going to tell you about Roan. I know, Grant, this is something that you deal with going from the ballpark to the work and out, you know, wearing a comfortable shirt and having a shirt that fits all occasions. That's something that Roan is looking at doing. And if you struggle with that hassle of changing clothes for different activities, then Roan has a solution for you with their commuter shirt, which is comfortable, breathable, and flexible. 
Rune's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's that easy, especially with their gold fusion anti-odor technology. Grant, you'll be smelling fresh, which I know is what you look for. The commuter shirt <laughs> can help you get through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash locked on. Use our promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. Again, that's 20% off your entire order when you go to roan.com slash locked on and use our promo code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort. All right. So we got several questions submitted on Twitter. Going to go through, got a couple here from Chris Shaffy, a dedicated follower and listener of the podcast and the postcast. First question from Chris says, do you think Odorizzi will or could be used in the bullpen. He pitched well in the clinching game for the East title and in the division series in relief. Uh, Grant, I'll go first on this one. I don't think Odorizzi's coming back. I think we kind of talked about this. I don't know that he's going to pick up that player option. You know, if he does, I just really don't see him filling a role in this Braves team in any fashion. But I'll let you uh, give your piece on it. What is your take on the Odorizzi situation? Yeah, I think if he picks up that player option, it would be – pretty obvious that the Braves would explore trading him away again. I don't think that they're going to stop their search for rotational help with Jake Odorizzi. I mean, he had a couple of games that, you know, you saw what has made him a pitcher who's hung around the big leagues for a long time, but is a lot of his performances for Atlanta just uh, obviously weren't up to the standard that he would want and did not really, you know, maintain a big boost for the club as they went out and got him to kind of shore up the rotation with Ian Anderson struggling so much, but, I don't think Jake Odorizzi is is you know mulling right now a move to the bullpen full time either. I think he'd like to go somewhere he could start, and I think that there are some clubs out there. And we're not talking about every contender, but I mean there are thirty clubs in Major League Baseball, and pitching depth is important. And he is a veteran who has a pretty decent track record, even if he didn't have the strongest of seasons between Houston and Atlanta this year. So if he does pick up that option, I would not be surprised to see the Braves deal him away. Uh, but he also has, if they decline that option, a nice little chunk of money coming his way either way. So we'll see how that all plays out. And I'm sure that the Braves are going to be looking for rotational help, which I know that we're going to talk about. Yeah, for sure. Next question from Chris, though, is talking about Vaughn Grissom. And a big question, obviously, for this offseason and going into next year. Grant, what do you think the Braves do with Vaughn Grissom? Obviously, the infield, assuming somebody gets signed at shortstop and they don't feel that with Vaughn Grissom, which maybe that's what you think they'll do. But what do you ultimately think is the position for Vaughn Grissom and his role at the big league level? Yeah, I think that Vaughn really showed in in flashes what he is capable of and why he's such a highly regarded prospect because I love the quality of his at-bats for when you, we're talking about one of the, what, three youngest players in the major leagues when he debuted. It was like him, Wander Franco, and Michael Harris II. I mean, that's a, a pretty good little group there. And, and Vaughn was a surprising call-up to me this year anyway just because of you know, how much he still, I felt, had to – you know, maybe check off a few more boxes before he jumped into the big league conversation. But the Braves needed him. It was a matter of necessity. And I thought he was able to step in and provide a very important boost in August when the club really needed that, when they thought they lost Orlando Arcia for the season on top of already the injury to Ozzie Albies. But with Ozzie back and expected to you know take back over at second base, healthy again, no more broken bones, none, no more of that stuff for him. 
Dansby Swanson is the big question mark, the big domino that has to fall in order to you know, know what's going to go on at shortstop, whether Dansby's back, whether the Braves go after another shortstop. Alex Anthopoulos, when I talked to him before the division series, I, I did ask him, I said, I know we got important games to play this week, but when you look at all of the work that you've done, signing all these extensions, having this great young core together, I know there are a couple of other players that you might want to lock up as well, and one of them is heading into free agency. You know, how do you forecast that? What do you look for this winter, and and where do you start? And he really said that, look, until we know everybody that's out on the free agent market and until we talk to other clubs about trade possibilities, we really don't make any firm plans. So that, as we know, can be a big, big domino that can fall. We saw it with Matt Olson a season ago. So I still think, you know, we've talked about these free agent shortstops a lot, but the trade's possible. But bringing it all the way back to Vaughn Grissom, and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this as well, just based on the hot start, but then the cooling off period, maybe some time at AAA Gwinnett and getting back to playing shortstop would be a good step for Vaughn Grissom to take to start 2023. Yeah, that's kind of my thoughts and what I've talked about uh, on some recent podcasts is maybe you work him out in left field and you let that become a possibility for him. But I don't think even if they did that in spring training, would you be ready to do that to start the year on a big league roster in left field? I, I just, I don't see that, but I agree either way. I think he starts the year. You could even start him back at double a, if you wanted to, I don't think they would do that, but it's not like he had a ton of time there, but I think either way, you know, I think you put him back in the minors and I know all the scouting reports and everything you hear says he can't handle this, this the position defensively at shortstop. I think he's too young really to make that call still. I think you, like you said, send him back to the minors, let him continue to develop, you know, with the bat, which is his carrying tool, but also develop defensively and see, can he stick at shortstop? Can he be that guy? Obviously, you know, yeah. if they do resign Dansby Swanson or go get somebody else, then maybe that makes that decision a little bit easier. But if not, and maybe they roll with Arcia or they get a stopgap shortstop in the meantime and see what happens with Von Grissom. I mean, I think that's certainly an option, but I would not be shocked at all if Grissom starts the year in the minors either way just to continue to develop because he was kind of rushed up in a situation like you mentioned where you lost Albies, you lost Arcia, kind of needed a guy, needed a spark, and he delivered that. Yeah, he definitely did. And, and the other thing, too, as we talk about trades, is that if you look at the Braves' farm system, we heard a lot about how, well, it's emptied out. You know, it's a bottom five farm system in baseball. But the next thing you know, you got Spencer Strider and Michael Harris and Vaughn Grissom and Dylan Lee, for that matter. Even William Contreras, who I know had kind of exhausted his rookie eligibility in 21, that all came in and played major roles for all homegrown players that were important in 2022. But that being said, whether it's Vaughn Grissom or Kyle Muller or a number of other prospects in the minors, including you know, recent draft classes the last couple of years, I mean, we saw Alex Antopoulos can swing a big trade, and I don't think there's anybody in the Braves system at this point that we're talking about is a can't-touch prospect. And really the only guy that I've ever heard Alex Antopoulos say was can't touch other than Ronald Acuna Jr. when he first took the job was Michael Harris II. He told him, I'm not trading you, so go ahead, get comfortable. You're part of our plan. And that was way back earlier in the year. So there's not too many of those guys floating around, so you never know what could happen if a club comes calling and you have a chance to make a move to make your club better. Alex Anthopoulos could look to deal somebody young and talented, and Grissom definitely checks a lot of boxes that a lot of other clubs will be happy to put in their infield mix, and they might actually be able to give him that opportunity to play shortstop every day, and I, I agree with you. I don't think he's a, a butcher at shortstop at all, but there's a big difference between somebody with the fielding prowess of, of Dansby Swanson, for example, and somebody who is a younger player who's still kind of you know getting into 
becoming the player that they will be once they've polished a lot of those skills, a lot of those tools. So you never know. I, I wouldn't say that anybody is off limits. I'll put it that way as far as minor league guys are concerned. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to belabor this point on Grissom too much, but I, I heard them talking about Jeremy Pena for the Astros right now. He's 24. I mean, not everybody comes up at 21, 22 right away and just blows the league away. But you look at what Jeremy Pena is doing right now in the postseason for the Astros, both offensively and defensively. Sometimes these guys need a little time to, to mature and continue to grow. And I think Von Grissom could be one of those guys. Not that he was terrible by any means when he first came up. In fact, he was, he was great offensively. Um, but I think he could, you know, benefit from going back to the minors, continuing to develop and see if he can grow into, you know, an everyday major league shortstop. Um, I think either way, the bat's going to play. I think it's just where he gets in on the field and where you use him. Yeah. Um, next question from Luke Broom going on the Dansby topic here. And this is something we talked about a lot with Freddie Freeman once the Braves lost Freddie Freeman last year. And the Braves haven't lost Dansby Swanson yet. But Luke says, if Dansby doesn't return, who assume, assumes the captain leader role on the team? I feel like Ozzy was it before he got injured. It's hard to see anyone else filling that role as far as position players go. Everyone coming back is pretty reserved. Grant, I know you're in the, the clubhouse a lot and down there with the guys, so I'll let you answer this one. Who do you think, assuming Dansby doesn't comes back, kind of plays that leader role position? You know, I'll preface this by saying, you know, as much as I do get to spend a little bit of time around there before and after games, it's really to, to know and to understand that is something that takes time and takes, you know, hearing it, you know, day in and day out. And, and there's a dynamic of their relationship that you know never does hit the light of day as far as press coverage is concerned but Ozzy Albies you know he may not strike everyone as the you know the outspoken field general but this is a guy that he cares a lot about winning you know he is completely and totally committed to his teammates and to you know playing the best that he can possibly play each and every day and whether he's 0 for 4 with four punch outs or whether he just you know racked up three hits and hit a three-run homer and stole a couple of bases and made a couple diving plays. I mean, this is a guy that you don't see him carry it around day to day. And I feel like he is somebody that everybody looks to as kind of a, a spark plug, an igniter, someone who's, um, I guess, one of those glue-type players that you have that just makes the club better just by being around in addition to what he does on the field. And all that may sound like a lot of lip service, a lot of cliche, but all of that matters and all of that does add up. So I think Anzi Albies most certainly – I think when you hand out big contracts like Austin Riley, like Matt Olson, like Michael Harris, and I know Harris is a younger player, but some of these guys are going to grow into that role much the same way that Freddie Freeman did after Chipper Jones, much the same way that Dansby Swanson did over the past few years, and in particular with the loss of Freddie Freeman. But the leadership of the club, it goes beyond typically just one person. I know that we look at that as the historically, who's the captain of this club or that club or that team or, or whatever it is. I feel like it's going to be more of, and perhaps it should be, more of a group-type effort to fill that void and to make sure that everybody's on the same page because this club, I do, I do think, has outstanding accountability to one another. I think Travis Darno is a good, quiet leader for that club. You know, He may not be around for the next decade and sign to one of those long-term deals, but he has brought so much in his time with the team. So those are a few guys that I'd, I'd call by name as guys that I think would step into that leadership void should that be something that the Braves once again have to figure out? Yeah, Travis Darno was the name that would kind of come to my mind right there as the catcher, you know, who's kind of the field general. Um, you know, I think he's somebody that can definitely step into that role. But there's no doubt Dansby meant a lot to this team. You heard the sentiments from Charlie Morton at the end of the season. Um, you know, they're all, you know, calling him the captain and, and the leader of this team. There's no doubt. But 
Freddie was that same guy and the Braves, I still felt like came back and found that leadership. I think they, as you said, kind of spread it out. So it wasn't just one guy. I thought they had a lot of, of leaders and guys who stepped up. And I think that's what you ultimately have to have on a team with so many different, you know, people from different countries, backgrounds, everything. I think you have to have that and have those different guys who can step up as leaders. So I feel like that'll work itself out, but I do feel like there are some guys there already who could fill that void if Dansby doesn't come back. And again, he's not gone yet. I still feel like he he's going to be the guy, but certainly understand kind of looking ahead there. Speaking of looking ahead, uh, next want to get into a couple of more questions, talking about some free agent options for the Braves and maybe a little trade scenario for a former MVP who plays on the West Coast. Oh. Uh, we'll, oh yeah, we'll get into that here next. Bet Online is your number one source for your football betting info this season. Check out betonline.net for all the latest player development scores and highlights, and obviously for all of your sport wagering information. And they are the number one source for your football betting info this season. Obviously, you got the MLB postseason going on as well. NBA season kicked off. Grant, I know you were tuned into the Hawks on Wednesday night. They got their first win of the season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, NBA, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. So a couple more questions here, Grant, and uh, this one coming from Wondy Jr., another dedicated follower of the podcast, always sending some good questions. Says, who is a sleeper free agent signing you think the Braves are going to sign? Obviously, you're not someone like Swanson or Kenley. Kenley, to me, was one of the biggest surprise free agent signings from last offseason. But you got anybody in mind, Grant, who could be a sleeper free agent signing this offseason? Yeah, I'm going to say that I feel like the Braves starting rotation could still use another boost. I know Charlie Morton having essentially having his option picked up for 2022 with another option year or, or for 2023, I should say, with another option year added on top of that. They're basically going year to year with Charlie for $20 million. And for the kind of pitcher he's been, that makes a lot of sense to me, but I didn't feel like that precluded them from making other moves in their rotation. Everybody, including us, has been wanting to talk about, speculate, if Jacob deGrom opts out of New York, could the Braves make a serious run at, at getting that kind of a front-line starting pitcher? I think that they could, but I don't necessarily expect it to be Jacob deGrom. So I'm going to go back into our speculation that we had last winter and point to a guy that has the ability to opt out, but his name is Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros. I think that at 40 years old, uh, with one of his strongest seasons to date, even coming off injury, he kind of looked like he was back and better than ever. And this would be uh, something I think Alex Anthopoulos has shown he is not afraid to do, and that is a big-money one-year deal to a player he thinks can be a major impact on uh, that particular year's club. So I'm going to look at Justin Verlander, who – could very well win another Cy Young Award by the time he signs his next contract. He probably will have as a guy that I think would make a ton of sense for the Braves. I know folks have loved, you know, the idea of getting Jacob DeGrom, and I do too, but I don't know that the years and the money would make sense as much as maybe being able to make that one-year commitment with perhaps a big option year that comes on top of that, something like the Astros did with Verlander this past year. I don't know that he's ready to go anywhere. He might like Houston, and Houston might like to keep him around depending on how far they go in the postseason, but that is a guy that I feel like would really help add to the Braves starting rotational depth that despite how good it looked at times over the course of the season, how good it looked at times in the month of September, 
did not show up the way that they needed it to in the National League Division Series. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit uh, hypocritical of what I've been saying this week because I've been saying I don't think the Braves need to go out and get any more starting pitching. I think they have the depth they need. But that being said, there are some guys out there that you could get perhaps on those shorter-term high AAV deals that Alex Anthopoulos likes. And another one is Clayton Kershaw. And now I don't know how likely it is. I think he either goes back to the Dodgers or to uh, somebody in Texas. But that's somebody, if he wants to come back and have another year, that again, you could get on a one-year contract, maybe the high AV, which again is something Alex has been known to do. So I think that could be another name to to look at. One we kind of talked about beforehand. You talked about the Kenley signing last offseason, how much of the prize that was. It would be a shocker if Alex all of a sudden went out and got Edwin Diaz because that would solidify a bullpen right there and take somebody away from your division opponent and Grant. We could play those trumpets all night long and nobody would say anything about it. Oh, it would be so wonderful to finally <laughs> put that very spirited debate to rest, wouldn't it? But, man, Edwin Diaz had what looked to be one of, if not the best years of his career. I know he had that insane year in Seattle a few seasons ago. He's going to be, I think, highly coveted by a lot of clubs looking to solve the back end of their bullpen because I think he was easily Major League Baseball's best reliever in 2022, and that's the kind of campaign – you want to walk into free agency with. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to get a, a pretty big deal, probably more than a one-year deal like the Braves got with Kenley. Uh, next question from R. Mills. This is one I've gotten a lot this offseason already. Talking about Rosario and Azuna, says both are under contract next year. Is there a chance one or both will not come back? Uh, if so, are there any rumors or potential for a bat in the outfield the Braves might target this offseason? So, Grant, you know, obviously those guys both under contract. Both, I don't know if they weren't under contract. You know, obviously, I don't think they'd have a spot on this team next year. And I think it's an opportunity to upgrade, specifically left field, uh, where maybe Rosario right now would be penciled as your starter. So I guess just my question to you, you kind of your thoughts on Ozuna, Rosario. Do you think both of those guys, do you think Alex will try to trade one or both of them this offseason? I wouldn't rule that out as far as you know, maybe exploring a trade for, for both of them, you know, ton conversations going on for it. I'm not as eager to write off Eddie Rosario altogether. I, I feel like this was a lost year for him. Mm -hmm. I mean, the eye issue, the surgery, the he, he coming back in the middle of the season, and I don't think that he ever really fully felt comfortable. We didn't see Eddie Rosario's power numbers come back. On the flip side of that, with Ozuna, I just feel like at this point, and this is putting all of the off-field stuff aside, which is pretty hard to do, but for the purpose of this exercise and just looking at, does this guy make your club better? The answer to that has been no. And the answer to that's been no for going on two full seasons now. And, you know, you're not going to hit on every single contract, every single trade, every move you're going to make and have it come up aces the way that Anthopolis has many times. And unfortunately for Ozuna, it seems like 2020 was the outlier I never expected him to be as bad as he was in 2021 prior to breaking his hand and then getting in his off-field uh, troubles and then coming back in 2022. It looked like, hey, maybe this guy's got a little life in the bat. But then after a good two or three weeks to start the season, it kind of went into the deep freeze, except for the occasional solo home run or the occasional base hit. And yeah, some of those were in some rallies, but I just you, you look at the overall numbers. You, he's a defensive liability and has been for quite some time. I don't know how creative Alex Anthopoulos can be to unload that contracting and get out from under it, but I would imagine that the Braves would be very motivated to do so because I don't think that Marcelo Zuna is the answer to any question for the Braves in terms of, you know, how do we optimize our lineup? How do we make our club better? So 
I wouldn't rule out trying to find another outfielder, um, trying to find somebody who maybe fits the the DH role a little bit more. Um, you know, there are going to be some free agents out there that I think will be interesting, but you can't really do any of that with your roster until you figure out either Eddie Rosario or Marcelo Zuna. And I feel like there's just more motivation at this point to maybe turn the page from Ozuna than there is from Rosario. I feel like Eddie was kind of a victim of the circumstances that came along with having that eye surgery and really just kind of having a lost year. Yeah. I mean, it's not just, you know, going out and getting somebody to make an upgrade. These guys are on the roster and there's a roster crunch. I mean, there's maybe one position player spot available, you know, assuming shortstop gets taken care of. So you have to do something with either Ozuna or Rosario before you can even look to make an upgrade somewhere. Veronica Corey says, is there a real realistic option for the Braves to either sign Jacob deGrom or trade for Shohei Otani Grant? Well, and I'd be fascinated to hear your thoughts on this. I know you're going to be talking about it a lot all offseason. I think we all are. Uh, as far as Shohei Otani trades, I don't even know what is realistic yeah. for Otani. I've gotten plenty of tweets, plenty of comments where people throw out their deal. And I had one the other day, uh, you know, saying, well, Based on this player simulator, you know, online evaluation tool, Max Fried is actually more valuable than Shohei Otani. And I'm not, I'm not mocking this, mind you. I'm just saying, like, this is, you know, what people will look to and think, well, then this would check out. So we put Max Fried with this guy and that guy and this other guy, and we do a five for one trade. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, you get Otani, who, if he is in fact the guy who's been the last couple of years, and everything goes according to plan, which I hope that it does, because it is as magical and it is fun to watch, and it's mm-hmm. incredible, and it's never been done by anybody to this level in the history of the sport. All that aside, you get one year of Shohei Otani, and anybody that's thinking, well, what you do is you agree to the trade, and then get a, a window to mm-hmm. lock him down and get a. That's never going to happen. I cannot imagine Shohei Otani foregoing free agency and the open market with his, to use Liam Neeson's term, specific set of skills <laughs> and not just hitting, but also pitching and not let that hit the open market and really max it out because he could be a $400 million player, a 40 plus million dollar a year player. And I cannot imagine that the Braves are going to be handing out that particular contract even though I think they are going to continue to spend and every indication from conversations I had way back in and around the all-star break were that they're aware of their payroll being in the top 10 and they are looking for ways to maximize that. Terry McGurk was nice enough to share that with Justin Toscano of the AJC over the past few days as well. So you should feel good about the Braves spending because they're going to continue to do that. They've got cost certainty, which Alex Anthopoulos told me is something that they really like about having these deals done is that they lock up this core. They know exactly how much money that they have on the books for that. And it allows them to really, you know, focus in on the options and the spending that they can do year to year, which is why I feel like those one year deals make so much sense. But to answer that question, and then I I do want to hear, you know, what you think about this. I think that DeGrom, as much as the conversations could happen, I feel like it's still a a pie in the sky kind of hope that he would be open to a deal that would fit him into what the Braves are looking to do. Because I think Jacob DeGrom's what a 35 to $40 million a year pitcher. If he gets a deal like Max Scherzer with another club or the Mets for that matter, Steve Cohen may not want Jacob DeGrom to leave too badly. So even if he opts out, he might give him just a big old chunk of money to stay put. I still think he's going to be one of the highest paid pitchers in the game. And I don't think he's going to be looking to take any discounts anywhere no matter what team he grew up watching. And we always hear that everybody grew up watching the Braves. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, you know, stop at all costs to, to come and play in Atlanta. 
Yeah, look, as much as I would love to see maybe the best pitcher of all time and Jacob deGrom come pitch for the Braves, you got to get shortstop locked up, I think, unless you just feel comfortable putting Von Grissom or Orlando Arcia there. That's going to cost you $20 million a year. And as you said, I think DeGrom's going to cost at least $30 million a year. You know, and I don't even know what the years would be on that for him. But either way, that's a lot of money. The Braves are already at around $190 million when you consider the arbitration-eligible players. Mm -hmm. I know they want to be a top-five payroll, but I just it's hard for me to imagine them handing out that much money this offseason for two positions. Would love to see it. Uh, but I think it is, as you've said, a little bit of a, yeah. a pie in the sky scenario to do that. Um, as far as Otani goes, he's a unicorn for me. Mm -hmm. I don't know what his value is because we've never seen anything like it. So I don't even know how to begin to put a trade package together. But I would imagine any trade package the Braves could give is probably going to take out half of your major league roster that you have right now. Because, I mean, that's what you would have to give up. You mentioned earlier the farm system you know, doesn't have a lot of high ranking players that would, you know, fit well in a deal like that. So you're going to have to give up, you know, a Michael Harris, or as you mentioned, you know, maybe a Max Free Strider. Yeah. You'd have to give up somebody that's already part of your major league team for one year of Otani. What if he gets hurt? And then, like you said, I don't think they're going to sign him. So I think it is going to be interesting this offseason to see what the Angels do with Otani. Um, I think that'd be one of the biggest storylines altogether. I just don't think the Braves will be a part of it. Yeah, and it's crazy when you look at the Angels. And I know we've had this conversation for since 2014. You know, Mike Trout's not playing in the postseason. You know, how's baseball's best player? Never going to October. Well, it wasn't because Artie Moreno didn't spend. He just didn't spend money that culminated in winning the American League West year over year and getting his team into October, whether it was Josh Hamilton or C.J. Wilson or Albert Pujols or Justin Upton. I mean, he's thrown some money around, and there have been others. Signing Trout to that four hundred plus million dollar deal, going and getting Otani. I mean, they got him, you know, under what many people speculated he could go for when he initially signed with them. He is going to make thirty million dollars in twenty twenty three, and that's not a small sum of money. But I mean, you're basically getting uh, about a thirty million dollar pitcher and a thirty million dollar hitter combined for the thirty million dollars. So that's why I think he's going to be such a unique case when he gets to free agency. And I just I don't see him not allowing for teams to come and bid on his services because these guys get one shot at a career and trying to maximize those earnings. And I'm all about the players getting those long-term deals, getting that guaranteed money rolling. And, you know, Shohei Otani is one of those guys that could go out there and have a record-breaking deal. So I, I wouldn't put too much stock in any speculation that involves a 72-hour window to negotiate an extension, et cetera. I just don't see any way that that kind of thing would happen. And, you know, for Otani, it's going to be a fascinating year if he is playing for the Angels next year. Artie Moreno has expressed, if I'm not mistaken, interest in selling the Angels. So yeah. would they even be in the Derby to keep Otani around beyond next year? How is all this going to look? Is Mike Trout going to be an Angel or would they look to offload him? Because every time somebody changes ownership, it seems like all of the top, you know, players and assets seem to get farmed out to other teams and traded away. And that would be a couple of big storylines to watch. The Otani saga. And then, hey, what if Mike Trout hits the trade market? What would that look like? It's, I can imagine seven or eight, ten teams would be interested in having Mike Trout around.
Yeah, absolutely. So me and Grant both saying it looks like the Braves won't get Otani or DeGrom. So count on Alex Antopoulos to get it done this offseason and have a uh, another huge surprise for us. But uh, we'll go ahead and end it right there. I want to thank everybody who submitted questions. want to thank Grant for jumping on to help answer them. Hopefully going to have Grant on uh, throughout the offseason to do some of these mailbags. It'll be a lot of fun. So continue to send those questions in. As always, thanks for making Locked On Braves your first listen of each and every day. Now go make a Locked On MLB your second listen, where MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and a unique perspective, talking about the biggest stories on every team from around the league and obviously covering the postseason here down the stretch. Again, thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at shortstopball, follow Grant at Grant McCauley, and follow the podcast at Lockdown underscore Braves. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the Lockdown Braves podcast wherever you get your podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Hey, this is Stacey Gotsoulias. D.C. Lundberg. Ryan Finkelstein. Taylor Blake Ward. Host of Locked on Yankees. Locked on Mariners. Locked on Mets. Locked on Angels. And you're listening to Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Locked on Braves. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 